You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. My website is coconutsandcatabells.com. It's a brand new website. It's beautiful. It's well-organized. I have tons of recipes on there. If you're especially looking for meal prepping and stuff like that going into the new year. And I have all the podcast episodes categorized so that if you're here for a certain topic, you can find it. So go to coconutsandcatabells.com, click on podcasts at the top. I'm so excited about that. Um, My website recently relaunched just a few months ago. And I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a personal trainer. And if you're listening to this episode when it's launching, this is actually the end of the year. And as I sat back and thought about, you know, what do I want to say at the end of the year? What do I want? What do I want our thing to be as we head into a new year? Of course, I wanted to talk about reverse dieting and diet culture and cutting your calories and what effect that has on your hormones, just in case, just in case you start to see some, shall I say, diet garbage, (laughs) diet garbage happening um, and in your news feed and just in your face come January 1st. So... I'm really excited. This is actually one of our, a Steph and I episode. It's one of our most, one of our popular episodes. I won't say most popular, but it's a very popular episode that we've published in the last few years, simply because we do break down what is reverse dieting and how do we repair our metabolism after chronic dieting? And what exactly, how how does chronic calorie cutting impact us? So really, honestly, it's long-term starvation. And why doesn't it work? Why don't diets work? And how, what what's the impact long-term on our on our physiology? And how can we how can we come out of that? So that's what we do here. So this is just one episode of many, but this is one of my favorites. And I'm really excited to um, share it all with you again. Before we dive into the episode, and we're just gonna dive right into Steph and I answering questions. Um, I just wanted to say that we're here. We're in it. It's winter. It is sixth season. And so many of us are taking these extra precautions to make sure that we're staying healthy. Um, I would add to that list that you (laughs) need to make sure that you're sleeping because we know sleeping reduces our chances of getting sick. Uh, Exercise greatly, significantly reduces your chances of getting sick when exposed to a virus. And one of the things that is so important as well is to take care of your gut. A lot of people think that Taking care of your gut is really just about, oh, well, my digestion's fine, so I'm taking care of my gut. Your di- your gut is actually where your immune system lives, and your gut plays such an important role in your ability to fight off viruses and keep pathogenic bacteria at bay. And that's why you need to protect your body from the inside out with high-quality probiotics, specifically by optimizers, P3OM. P3OM is actually one of the probiotics that I take and rotate, especially during the winter. So it's a proteolytic probiotic, meaning it's really good at breaking down protein, and it's proven to be maintainable in the human digestive tract, and it also doesn't need refrigeration. It it maintains that without refrigeration, which is really nice and convenient, especially when you're traveling. So you can actually see a video of the probiotic breaking down a steak, so breaking down that protein. Uh, um, at our link. It's p3om.com forward slash well-fed. Right now, you can actually get 10% off P3OM by going to, again, p3om.com forward slash well-fed. Use the code well-fed10. That's where you'll get that extra 10% off. And if you if you're trying the probiotic and you don't, does, you're, it's not helping or it's just not what you expected, you actually... You're going to get your money back if you just contact their support team. So they have a money back guarantee, which I I just I find really helpful when it comes to especially when you're trying things like supplements and you don't have the opportunity to, you know, see and feel and buy things from the store. We're living in an Internet culture and it's really important to me 
than what we're who we're buying from stands behind their product and buy optimizers does so if you want to protect yourself this year and take your digestion to a next to the next level uh visit it's p3 the letter o and then m.com forward slash w-e-l-l-f-e-d and then that 10 percent discount is with the code wellfed10 now let's jump into questions Question number one. Question number one is from Aurora. My dearest lovely ladies, I came across the idea a few years ago and was wondering what you two thought about it and it use its use in recovering from restrictive eating. The concept was built around the idea that jumping between binging and restriction restricting restricting can cause the metabolic distress and huge weight fluctuations and may be detrimental to overall health and well-being specifically i believe the concept was developed for people who compete in bodybuilding and bikini competitions and when you starve yourself for weeks and then binge on a huge amount of junk food after the competition this idea is basically that you can increase calories slowly by about 50 per week by adding fat and carbs since people in um Competitions tend to eat lots of protein to recover your metabolism without shocking your system. I read about it back in 2012 when there was only one man talking about it and forgot his name, but the idea seems to have blown up since. There was never any scientific studies done on this, so these sources are all hearsay, but I want to know what you two think. Is it healthy? Ideal for those who have struggled with restrictive eating or HA, so that's hypothalamic amenorrhea. I have my own opinion, of course, but I'd love to hear all sides of the argument. She says, apples. I like crunchy ones, but to be honest, I have always preferred vegetables, so hashtag team no apples. Please pass the broccoli. Broccoli's great. I feel you. Okay, um, so I got into a rabbit hole with this this morning and was researching um, reverse dieting. So let me just give my quick uh, overview of what it is, and then I'm sure Steph was going to have lots to say about it um, if I don't. <laughs> whatever I don't cover. Uh, Reverse dieting is basically a method that involves slowly and strategically increasing daily food intake, all in an effort to basically raise your metabolism because it has been damaged by the dieting. Um, And like Aurora mentioned, this is largely championed by people in the bodybuilding world. Um, So but, you know, we're we're talking about this and we're going to discuss this within the context of can this work for somebody who has been yo-yo dieting or just restrictive, like restricting their calories or just, you know, is trying to come off of uh, or maybe suffering with something like hypothalamic amenorrhea. So I think it's important to first put it out there that dieting, this is well documented, dieting specifically drastically cutting your calories it does not work for long-term health 95 the latest stat is 95 percent of people who successfully lose weight will gain it back within three years and then 30 to 65 percent of those people will actually lose weight but then gain it back and gain more back and if you see if you ever researched yo-yo dieting or looked at a graph of yo-yo dieting you can see this how Somebody will restrict their calories, they'll lose weight, but then thereafter, like if you're looking at their weight on a graph and their metabolism, their weight will go up, their metabolism will not return to baseline, but their weight will go a little higher and then they'll do it again. And so they'll lose a little weight and boom, goes even higher next time. Um, when you essentially, why it does not work <laughs> is that when you drastically cut your calories, your body goes through some very real physiological changes, changes that occur when the body is chronically underfed and chronically stressed. We have talked about this a lot because, and I want this connection to be made, chronically under eating is a form of chronic stress. Your body, when you cut your calories, your body downregulates your metabolism because it needs to adapt. It starts to halt proper hormone function, including sex hormone production. Um, And then oftentimes your cortisol rhythms become completely out of whack. So your sleep is compromised. Um, Your recovery sucks. So if you think you want to still do things in the gym, ha, good luck with that. Um, You're fatigued constantly. And then you you start to develop very serious nutrition, um, nutrient deficiencies, Magnesium is a big one, which is needed to support the stress response, um, but it also impacts neurotransmitter function. 
Your immune system is downregulated and not able to function properly. Your gut can be negatively impacted because nutrient deficiencies like magnesium and the downregulation. And this can be caused like those nutrient deficiencies can result in the downregulation of secretion of your digestive organs. So think about the downward effect of that when your food's not properly digested. It's, you know, large particles of food are going to get into your gut and disrupt your gut microbiome. Not to mention the very real impact that this has on your brain. The Minnesota starvation experiment shows us that men who were intentionally starved, they were put on a 1600 calorie a day diet, lost their minds. They kept, they focused nonstop on food. They were obsessed with food. They had very odd behaviors around it. And even after they engaged in self-harm and even after. After the experiment was over, those things, that mental anguish did not stop. They were still obsessed with food. They still had a disordered relationship with food. That was after eating 1,600 calories a day. So that doesn't even address that. Um, So eventually, you know, when you diet, you start eating again because it's very hard to maintain that. And then when you do, your body is imbalanced, your metabolism is wrecked, and your body quickly puts on weight because that's what it's primed to do. Um, so reverse dieting enters the scene and then look, now you can diet and then get back to your calorie intake without gaining weight. Okay. Maybe, um, in general, my initial thoughts are eating more and supporting your body with nutrients is a good thing, right? So if someone doesn't feel comfortable, like ramping up their calories immediately and feels more comfortable with slowly titrating it up and allowing your metabolism to adapt and recover, go for it. I say, great. Just, just. Get on the path to start eating more. Um, so I, I do think from a physiological perspective, it seems to it, it might potentially work for some, but there will be variations from person to person. So here's an example. There is a study done at the Mayo Clinic. Researchers brought 16 normal weight people into their lab for eight weeks, and they served them huge meals that provided a thousand extra calories a day. Um those that group of people there were huge variances in what was actually gained some people gained under a pound and some people gained up to 9 9 pounds and so what why is there this variation one is genetics and two is something called non-exercise activity th- activity thermogenesis which i think they like to uh call neat cuz it's neat um so like you know people start to uh, twitch a little more and get up and walk around, and, you know, shake their shoulders and, you know, do things to actually get rid of some of that excess energy. Um, and as Aurora mentioned, I think something important to note is that there's zero evidence and research per- like saying that reverse dieting works, but there is evidence about this metabolic adaptation and neat and what happens. So metabolic ab- adaptation is ex- essentially that adaptation that you're of your body is downregulating your metabolism and other processes, your thyroid function, so that your body can conserve energy. You also downregulate neat, um, your hormones downregulate. And so oh, I saw this really cool analogy. Um, a simple way to look at it is like a game of fetch. You throw the ball, your dog eventually is going to catch the dog's eventually going to catch up with the ball. It's how your how your body works when you cut your calories and then your metabolism sort of kind of catches up with that. So I think th- the red flags is I think what we're missing here is any sort. You know, this is coming, right? Uh, there's any there's no ex- sort of acknowledgement that you absolutely have, you know, like you have to work on mindset. What what got you here in the first place? Why why were you dieting so hard and you know what what was the deal? What was going on? What's what's your mindset about your body? What's your relationship with food? Why did you feel like you had to cut your calories so low? So like <laughs> It's kind of a dream world where it's like, we diet, we're perfectly fine, no mental issues, and now we slowly up our calories and everything's good. And it's like, well, no, like what? Like that doesn't address any sort of mental, emotional issues. Um, So in certain situations, like many situations, like with women participating in fitness competitions or women who have restricted for a very long time, women struggling with HA, if you have been under eating, you are likely at a weight that is too low for your body and your body needs to gain weight. 
that's the other part of it, right? Um, gaining weight is not a bad thing. And, and in our society, we praise being thin and lean and dieting and the ability to diet and not let yourself go. And yeah, keep going harder and look at her. Like she just ran a marathon and ate a bagel. Like that's all she had for the day. But why is that? And, and what is the cost here? So is it worth it to you to tank your health, downregulate your hormone function? You know, all those things I listed before including your physical and mental and emotional health, which is not addressed here, to appeal to the diet industry and a diet industry, follow everything that they say. I mean, who in your, this is, this is the question I had to ask myself. Who in my life am I trying to please right now? Who, who is in my life that is saying I need to maintain a weight that is too low from, for my body? Who is in my life right now that's saying you really should cut your calories and get a six pack? And is there anybody that's going to walk away if I don't have a six pack? And the answer is usually no. So um, in order to implement this, you kind of have to act, you have to be a robot and not have any mental and emotional issues. And you also have to constantly weigh yourself. You have to weigh your food. You got to measure because you're, you know, you're constantly, you're, you're slowly titrating up. I mean, your calories are sp- very controlled. Um, yeah. So those are my thoughts. What do you think, Steph? <laughs> <laughs> Noel Noel prefaced this podcast with I have this question I think you're gonna have so many thoughts but I'm not gonna have any thoughts that are like particularly divergent from yours <laughs> um I'm curious if um what was Aurora is that whose yes. questions was yeah uh if the person Aurora read was Matt Stone do you remember Matt Stone oh I do but I don't Matt I Stone was a name. huge huge advocate back when I first started doing all this stuff um of people eating a lot more. And he said a lot of our metabolic issues came from a chronic under eating and uh, over drinking water and eating too many, uh, too much like fruits and vegetables. And so we were sort of diluting our systems, uh, upsetting our electrolyte balance and not eating enough stuff. Um, something that I've always found very useful. I just, I really liked the pushback that he offered. And uh, even though he was a you know, a bit more on the fringes. He did make a point that I thought was very interesting and that I've carried with me since then. It's which is if you're like women are women are cold so often, right? Uh, It's so common for women to like feel cold and guys are fine, right? In the wintertime and like the fight about the thermostat, like the, the lines are always drawn. I'm not saying they're drawn like certain ways, but generally speaking, I think women tend to, um, you know, want to heat things up more anyway. Um, and I was often always very cold, my feet always freezing. Right. Uh, and he said it would be better to have uh, a cup of ice cream than a cup of hot tea if you were cold, because you drink hot tea and yeah, it's hot when you drink it and it feels good when you drink it, but you're putting a bunch of water in your body and your body actually has to work pretty hard to keep cold water warm. Uh, and so like it does, it takes calories to do that. Uh, and it's another it diet down. culture tip. It's another diet culture Drink tip. Drink water. ice water. <laughs> Drink ice water. A glass, eight ounce glass ice water every morning when you wake up. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a thing now. Yeah. So a new thing, a revitalized thing. Anyway, um, but if you had some ice cream, like you you would have the you know you would be consuming the fat and the carbs that you needed to actually keep warm. So, um, I do think. All of which is that's just a concrete example of how this thinking about metabolic dysregulation and under eating and stuff has like, it, yeah, it's real. Like, it's real. Your thyroid hormone levels change. I know people, tons of people in the fitness industry, you know, they'll tell you all day long. Um, not everybody, of course, but there's a vocal contingent who says, you know, you eat this much or you exercise this much and that's that, right? Like, there's no such thing as uh, losing your fat burning potential and stuff. But they're totally... Totally is like the, all the stuff that you mentioned, I'm absolutely 100% on board with being real physiological stuff in terms of what to do coming out of it. I also I agree with you that uh, that specific kind of approach is just not right for me. There are people in my life who love counting calories and like it doesn't bother them and they just enjoy knowing and they're biohackers and they look at like their sleep time on their watches and stuff like that. Um, and they're into it and that's cool. It's just so not for me. It's so absolutely not for me. Like, 
I'm like such a control freak about my like professional and existential space. Like my, in my eating space, I just, I can't, I, and I don't. So, um, that, that would not be for me, but if, you know, Noelle and I talk a lot with women and I have historically throughout my time, uh, working with health to empower in our community, so many women who have gotten into the state of you throw the ball and it takes three minutes for your dog to get it and come back. Right. Um, because our, the metabolisms are, are lagging and the thyroid is low and all that sort of stuff. The neat is low. So how do you get it back? Um, I often tell, I say this a lot, um, the speed at which your the stuff in your body comes back online depends on like how hard you throw at it to keep the fetch analogy. Like um, you can down a bunch of high caloric foods a lot quickly. And that would probably be a little bit more of a jumpstart to your system. I remember one time Chris Kresser shared an analogy on his podcast. And this was like, again, many, many years ago. Uh, but he was a, a voice that I really enjoyed listening to and learning from. And he talked about this one patient who had a lot of chronic health issues and was, you know, really perfecting his diet. And then uh, one day he had like a box of pizza and that was, that was it. And then he had beer and pizza for a while. And like, that was it because calories are sometimes the thing, you know, or carbs or fat or whatever. So you can go really hard and really fast at it, or you can take a slow approach and you can also take a very precisely measured approach. My personal preference is somewhere in the middle. I pay loose attention. I ballpark it. That's the approach that I talk about in my uh, program. Weight loss unlocked, like this sort of ballpark figure, understand where you are, but you don't need to rigidly control it. Uh, that's what I sort of like to do. Um, but to each their own, you know, um, and I do think that it could be good for all of us to uh, play with that and to see if if it feels good for us to be eating more, because the more calories you eat, the more uh, nutrients you can get. Right. And that sort of thing. It's kind of important. Food is the stuff that keeps us going. So, yeah, I agree. I, I think you could choose either. You know, um, you have to figure out what's right for you. And you also have to address the mindset piece of it. So if you're going to slowly titrate your calories up, you you're going to need to also recognize what got you into that position and how can you also work on your mindset and repair your relationship around with food in your body and have a more realistic outlook on all of that. So, yeah. Okay. Second question is from Kaylin. Taking progesterone pills during, can you discuss taking progesterone pills during the second half of your cycle to help with severe PMS symptoms and painful heavy periods? My naturopath recommended this to me, but my gyno who I would need the prescription from says that that would not help and to take the birth control pill instead. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hey, can I make a quick um, disclaimer? Yeah. Hey, we can't. So we're not doctors. Um, yeah, thank and, you. And we <laughs> I wanted to do this, too. OK, so we can't like we're not qualified to discuss your medical condition or we have no I have no interest. I'm sure Stephanie has no interest in refuting your doctor's opinion or advice. Um, so I think what we can do is give general things what we know to what we our opinions about the female body um, and what we know from our experience and then you know, we can obviously make recommendations about finding a doctor that is better aligned with your health goals. Um, but we're not doctors. So. So your gyno is probably sees the pill as a like more regulative way of looking at your cycle, right? Pills are usually a four month or four week long cycle, sometimes you know, they, they go for longer, but typically it t mimics a menstrual cycle a little bit, but a pill is, has progesterone in it. All pills, all birth control pills have progesterone in them. Some of them have estrogen added depending on what formulation works best with your personal hormone profile. And so your gynecologist, I don't see much of a difference between uh, what's being recommended here. Uh, I definitely think whoever you're working with should listen to your needs and questions and want to discuss these things with you. I would hope at least. Um, 
But uh, a birth control pill would be a progesterone, could be a very low dose progesterone. There are those. And there are also different variants of uh, progestins. These are synthetic progesterones, uh, progestins in, in birth control pills. Uh, some of them act more like estrogen in the body, some more like testosterone or like a androgenic profile and some more like progesterone. Right. So um, they definitely could maybe. Uh, look for something that that suits you. And then uh, this progesterone pill during the second half of the cycle, if you prefer that to a pill that is on a four week uh, loop and it doesn't interfere with your menstrual cycle, you know, I'd like or your naturopath doesn't think it would, then I guess it's worth trying. Uh, I see these both as hormone interventions, you know, this um, the four week long cycles for a normal birth control pill do have a placebo week built in, like it's a sugar pill uh, for you to menstruate. And so basically you're looking at a three week pill with some amount of progesterone and maybe some estrogen in it um, as compared to uh, this two week progesterone pill that you're talking about. Um, I think that they're probably both uh, interesting alternatives worth looking into if you want to sort of manage your symptoms while at the same time looking at other ways of, you know, addressing the more longer term underlying stuff that could be going on with uh, your hormones or your reproductive physiology and and, and what have you, you know, uh, severe PMS and painful heavy periods are, are really uh, problematic uh, and often attributable. I won't say this exclusively because I have no idea where your blood test results are. And even if I did, I you know wouldn't be able to say that for sure. But um, they're often linked with estrogen. And so taking progesterone can balance estrogen, although the, um, the processes that lead to the development of uh, tissue that creates heavy and painful periods um, are ongoing, even in the beginning of the cycle. So I think it's, I would say like, I, I'm not going to write off either of these options. I think that they're both worth talking about. Um, yeah, but I would still be looking at longer. Sorry, I brought this up because I would still be looking at longer term strategies to address any sort of underlying hormone imbalances like excess estrogen um, or estrogen dominance or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, like the Neither of these options are not actually treating the root cause. If you're looking for an immediate relief of symptoms, it's worth looking into what I think what your naturopath is recommending. Um, but if you want to work on the root cause, it it's, neither of those things are necess are going to resolve that. Um, uh, what I would recommend doing because it's this is a, a lot to discuss um, there. I have an entire we have an episode with Dr. Jolene Brighton about the pill, irregular periods and post birth control syndrome. It's episode number 213. I think that that will be really enlightening because unfortunately, some of the side effects and it, it'll just help you learn about some of the side effects of the pill, because being on it can actually lead to estrogen dominance, which could very well be the underlying cause of what's causing your PMS symptoms. But it also can result in nutrient deficiencies. It does drain magnesium. So long term, it can actually. So while you're on the pill, nothing is resolved. When you're off the pill, those issues still remain, but they can actually be heightened or worse once you get off. So that's definitely something to consider. Um, essentially, and I think the best steps moving forward is if you can get a proper hormone test like the Dutch test so that you can figure out what's going on hormonally. You can figure out if you do have some any sort of if you're pro having a problem detoxifying estrogen or if your progesterone is low or whatever, because I'm not totally sure if you've gotten that information yet. So you have to have that information. Information is power. You have to have that information about your hormones before you start treating it with any sort of medication, any sort of. Um, and I'm a yeah, no. Yeah, this is this is right. I was about to say I wanted to assume something about your age. But if you're having a regular cycle, you're not close to I'm assuming that you're not close to um, menopause. So I think the second step would be to figure out is, is is this PMS or is this PMDD? Because that's important too. Um, we don't have a lot of research about PMDD, but it is very severe and it can be very invasive in your life and 
it's, you know, crippling depression and all the things. And so I think getting a, a proper diagnosis is key as well. Essentially, PMS is caused by an imbalance in hormones. And like Stephanie mentioned, estrogen dominance is often a factor and it can play a role in PMS and PMD. D, Mr. D there, PMDD. Um, so the number one thing that I think is important is to get the estrogen out if you are struggling with estrogen dominance. And really all of these suggestions, all of the things that you would do to help balance estrogen and get estrogen, excess estrogen out of your body are also going to help with general hormonal balance. Excuse me, which is great. Um, so number one, ditch... <laughs> If you're on the pill, get off of it. Um, just talking in relation to estrogen dominance because estrogen dominance can be actually um, precipitated or made worse by the pill. Um, stress is a big thing as well. So an interesting thing to note here is that when you're chronically stressed, it does impact all other hormones. And estrogen dominance can happen one of two ways. It can mean that you have a problem getting estrogen out of your body and that you're overexposed to estrogen or that progesterone is too low. And chronic stress can cause low progesterone, which then in turn would cause estrogen to be higher. So you have to work on both of those things and cannot write off low progesterone being part of the issue as well. Um, the third thing is really to clean up your beauty routine. Z there is zero federal, federal regulation around any cosmetics in the United States. Most cosmetics, most conventional cosmetics have known endocrine disruptors in them. And endocrine disruptors have been linked to estrogen dominance, thyroid disorders, and even breast cancer. Um, and I do wholeheartedly believe that you've got to reduce your exposure to endocrine disruptors. And they are also in household products like cleaning products. That's why I'm very passionate about Puracy and their safe cleaning products. Um, another big thing is heavy metal exposure. So heavy metals are contaminants. It's not something that you would necessarily find in your personal care products, although it is a big issue because aluminum can be in deodorant and ingredient in deodorant in in deodorant as an antiperspirant. So get that out. But heavy metals, some preliminary research does show that heavy metals can act as xenoestrogens in the body. So you've got to get those out. And that this is why I'm unapologetically passionate about what Beauty Counter is doing. Everything on their website, everything that you get, skincare and makeup, anything that they produce as a cosmetics company is completely free of any known endocrine disruptors, carcinogens, and they also do very rigorous testing, both of raw materials and end products for heavy metals, which a lot of people don't know that like the heavy metals can be contaminated during that that um, manufacturing process, not to mention packaging. Packaging can be an issue as well. So glasses is important as well. Um, so shop. You can go to my personal link is beautycounter.com slash Noel Tart. And then the last thing, support liver and your gut function. So estrogen has to come out of like, has to come out of the body. Um, and if your liver is sluggish or your gut, you have some gut issues that can actually lead to estrogen dominance as well. So <laughs> liver support is all the typical things that we recommend here, like eating cruciferous vegetables, eating foods rich in heme iron. Cruciferous vegetables, by the way, is like broccoli, cauliflower, that sort of thing. Heme iron is rich in B vitamins. That's your grass-fed meats, your organ meats, sulfur-rich foods. So that's your pasture-raised eggs and your onions. Um, magnesium helps detoxify estrogen from the body. So I recommend a magnesium supplement. Um, and then supporting gut function, of course, anti-inflammatory diet, probiotic foods. The only other thing that I will add is um, when it comes to separate studies that look at PMS and resolving it naturally, there is research that shows, and this, and this is also can tie into PMDD as well. Research shows that magnesium supplementation can reduce PMS and PMDD symptoms, and it e works even better when it is paired with vitamin B6. And separately, vitamin B6 and calcium in studies have been shown to reduce the symptoms of PMS. So those are two things to think about. And you can also toy with taking Vitex. Um, 
a, like that's has some really interesting literature around that. There's one research found that Vitex improved PMS and PMDD in all eight studies that were compared, and it found it to be just as effective for treating PMDD as oral contraceptives. That's huge. So you can experiment with that and then also experiment with cycle syncing. So getting into a flow where you know your hormones and you're supporting proper hormone function, supporting the excretion of estrogen, for example, around ovulation and when it's at its peak and supporting progesterone and and estrogen and specifically supporting your body as it's about to start your cycle in that second half of your cycle by resting more and reducing stress and eating foods that are really great for your body when it's in that state. And, um, and, you know, that's typically when you get a lot of your PMS symptoms and like learning to go with that flow and choreographing your life, your food and your exercise around that so that you're not like working against your body and fighting it constantly. So I think that's a lot, but um, start somewhere and just start with a couple of things. I, I'm doing hand motions right now. A couple of things. Um, I'll link to my estrogen dominance post and then my natural ways to treat PMS and PMDD post. And that will give you a couple places to start. Just start with a couple things and see, see if there's some, hopefully some immediate relief. If you are so done being tired and fatigued and overstimulated and not being able to fall asleep and waking up a lot in the middle of the night. I feel you. I've been there. I was wired and tired. And I didn't know why. I was just feeling so just overwhelmed with just like a sense of almost nervousness and anxiety. And it wasn't until I had this light overhaul in my house that I could tell how much blue light from my computer and my phone, overhead light, how all of that was affecting me. And I was able to do that with the help of Blue Blocks. So Blue Blocks makes computer and sleep plus glasses, which help to block out, the computer glasses help to block out the harsh light that we see when we're looking at our screens all day, every day, when we're looking at, you know, our phone. And then the Sleep Plus glasses are actually evidence-based. They block out all the wavelengths that are clinically shown to suppress melatonin production, which we so desperately need to be able to fall asleep quickly and to have good sleep quality. And it's really a vicious cycle because once you're not sleeping well and yes, fall asleep really late, then your melatonin production is really just not online and then you just kind of your sleep gets worse and worse so stop the cycle get blue blocks sleep plus glasses if you're going to invest in one pair that's what i highly recommend starting with so the sleep plus glasses they have an orange tint you can put them on it's now part of our nightly routine put them on about two hours before bedtime when you're just starting to wind down i understand like Everybody says, don't have screens on two hours before bed. But some of us have to work after the kids go down and some of us want to watch our shows. And that is where these sleepless glasses come into play and they save the day. So invest in some sleep plus glasses. The lenses are really attractive. I like the way they feel. I don't even know they're there. And they look good. I like the way they look, which is important. I think that's really important. Um, and if you've bought like orange lensed glasses before and they didn't work, it's because they weren't properly blocking all of the wave wavelengths that have been shown to suppress melatonin production. So investing in a pair of sleep plus glasses is, is investing in your sleep for and your like proper hormone production for the rest of your life for years to come. Blueblocks.com forward slash wellfed. That's our link. It's B-L-U, B-L-O-X dot com forward slash wellfed. Use our code wellfed for 15% off. They can also turn any pair of glasses into custom blue blockers, which is pretty cool. Again, that's blueblocks.com forward slash wellfed. And then use our code wellfed for 15% off. Question number three, and this will be fast, hopefully, is from Christine. She says, hi, Noel. First, thank you so much for handling the topics of women, nutrition, and fitness with such professionalism and grace because for so long, women have been so underrepresented when discussing diet and exercise. My question relates to... Thank you so much for that. That was very kind. Um, my question relates to caloric restriction. I have Graves' disease and I'm currently in remission and off all meds. Yay. I'm trying to get pregnant, so have recently been reviewing your podcast, researching the infradian rhythms and focusing on... A lot in trying to balance my cycles, 
Um, I show some symptoms of estrogen dominance, so I have been addressing that with diet and exercise and acupuncture. My endocrinologist that manages my thyroid, however, is adamant that I must lose weight. 5'4", and she wants me in the range of 120 to 135 pounds. I'm well outside of that range. That said, I work out five to six days a week. I count my macros. I stick traditionally to 1,800 calories per day and make sure to eat 140 grams of protein. I also eat over 100 grams of carbs. My endocrinologist recently told me she'd like me to restrict my calories to 16 and to continue to reduce down to 1,200. When asking her justification for such a low calorie count, she stated it's because I am short. When I pushed back on this and discussed my workouts, weight training, etc., she simply tells me I'm eating too much and have to figure out a way to drop weight. As a reference point, my biomarkers are all well within healthy ranges, including A1C, cholesterol, C, B, C, TSH, T4, blood pressure, respiratory weight, and heart rates. My cycles are regular with a borderline short luteal phase that I'm currently addressing with an acupuncture, with acupuncture and refrain rhythms. I love all this data she has on herself. This is awesome. Yeah, it's it's so important, empowering. Um, I am a pelvic floor physical therapist and I'm quite familiar with all things pertaining to women. Women's health, I'm a bit at a loss for the calorie restrictions she's asking for. She's excellent at managing my thyroid, but at this point, it feels like she's what she's wanting me to hit a magical number on the BMI chart rather than helping me manage my health. Questions are, is 1,600 calories a day too low for somebody trying to get pregnant? She said, I am not getting pregnant due to my current weight. I find this a little disheartening as I know for certain confirmed with my OBGYN that I am ovulating. My endocrinologist, number two, my endocrinologist seems to think 2,000 calories per day is way too much food based on my height. And number three, I am currently... Oh, I'm considering ignoring her advice and sticking with 2,000 calories per day up from 800, hitting the minimums you talk about, and giving this three months in addition to continuing to work with my acupuncturist to address the estrogen issue and link it then my luteal face. Is this reasonable? Thanks, Christine. Yes. (laughs) Disclaimer. Disclaimer. We're not doctors. Um, (laughs) Disclaimer. We're not doctors. I have no interest in contradicting medical advice of any sort. I often, I'm not going to say that. Um, I have no interest in in contradicting medical advice of any sort. (sighs) But it seems reasonable. Um, I don't think, I think it is more important to have healthy biomarkers and hormone levels than it is to have a specific body weight when you are trying to conceive and to do so healthfully. And uh, I think it's probably best moving into a pregnancy that you're focusing more on nourishing more rather than less. And I have a feeling Noelle has thoughts and feelings about that. Um, 2000 calories a day for someone who's five, four, like admittedly, some people maybe more shorter than taller on the end of the spectra Um, spectrums do need fewer calories than otherwise, but 2000 is not, it's not 3000, you know, it's, it's not a huge, it's not a huge ask. Um, I don't think it's pathologic at all. These are, Noel and I picked these as minimums for a reason and people can titrate down, but I think also three months is quite a reasonable amount of time. Uh, also looking at fertility, just throwing this out there, uh, it takes two to tango. So make sure, um, you know, we see a lot of women spend a lot of time uh, playing with their own fertility and stuff. But it's always best to check your bases and, and make sure that however you're conceiving and with whomever, uh, that that's a effective, um, you know, that that's all in good, healthy working order as Both well. Parties so that's really all I have. examined. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's really all I have to say. Yeah. What do you, what do you have to say? Uh, uh, I will just say as like to reinforce like we're we're not in the business of contra indicate or not contradicating um going against what your doctor is saying i think that one of the things we do have to recognize and what we are fans of is finding second opinions and finding a doctor that is is well aligned with your with your health goals <laughs> what what you know to be best for your body and if something doctors are great and they're very well experienced, but they also are just people who have an opinion. And um, second opinions, other opinions from other doctors are also available to you. So if something doesn't sit right with you or doesn't feel right, you are not under any obligation to force yourself to follow that diet recommendation. Um, And I'm sure it's awesome that this doctor is really helping you with your 
um, your thyroid function. I think that that's amazing. And what an, what a blessing that you are off of medication and that you have found this doctor that helps you with this. But it's also possible that you could sit down and say, um, I hear you. I appreciate those recommendations. I'm also going to find a second opinion and I'll let you know what, what comes of that. Um, so you could potentially find, you know, if, if you're, it sounds like you're, you're already working, you're doing the things you need to do. You are a physical therapist. So you kind of have a, not a, a really great base knowledge, um, of the body and physiology and that sort of thing. But it might be worth teaming up with, you know, registered dietitians are trained in nutrition and how the body functions like that. Um, you know, you could team up with a registered dietitian. You could team up with that is aligned with your goals. Um, you could team and is, you know, anti understands the damage that diets can do. And you could also team up with like a functional medicine practitioner to help do a little bit of uh, some additional testing or whatever. Like, I, I think this, there's a beautiful relationship between having a functional medicine practitioner and having a conventional doctor and being able to work with both of those p- individuals. And that's kind of how I've operated throughout my life, just so that you can get two opinions and then decide what to do from there with your health. Um, so I think that what's important to note, and I will just reinforce from all, I don't need to repeat, but I will just repeat a small chunk of it to, to help people understand. This is going to be my sound bite. Okay. Um, as you lower, so doing the 1200 calories, what would happen? Let's just hypothesize. As you lower your calories to lose weight, your hormone production lowers. This is proven in the literature. This is not just speculation. Hormone production lowers. Things slow down. Studies show that thyroid hormones lower, testosterone lowers, leptin lowers, and both cortisol and ghrelin, of course, increases And that cascade, this is while you're cutting your calories, and that cascade of hormonal consequences eventually leads to, you know, you have that metabolic adaptation, your your metabolism slows down, and your body essentially reduces reproductive hormones because you're no longer suited for it. It This is, again, proven in literature. It increases stress hormones so that you can fight or flight for your food and it boosts those hunger hormones so that you can increase your motivation. And it does all this by, you know, at the same time, delaying thyroid function. So if we look at what we know in the literature about what this drastic calorie reduction is going to do, I think we can see that a lot of those things are contraindicated to having a healthy pregnancy or preparing your body for pregnancy. Um, So you can take a look at that. There's a lot of studies, but there's one and I will link to it in the show notes. It's called the effects of intensive weight reduction on body composition and serum hormones in female fitness competitors. And it investigates the effects of a four month fat loss diet in normal weight females competing in fitness sports. And they achieved that deficit by decreasing carbohydrates and increasing exercise, which is really what most people do when they go on a diet. So in the study, free T3 dropped, testosterone dropped, leptin plummeted, and estradiol plummeted as well. And from all the things that I said before, (laughs) um, I think we can know that it's unfortunately those changes when you do these crash diets, 95% of the time the weight comes back and more. You do do long-term, your your metabolism can be wrecked. It does not just magically return back when you start eating again. Um, it is it is lower for a while um, and to, unless you intentionally, you know, try reverse dieting or whatever um, to try to get to, to fix your metabolism, bring your body back into balance. So I hope that I hope that this episode helps people to see that weight and weight loss isn't a good predictor of health or the health of somebody's body because we can see that yo-yo dieting and strict, you know, calorie restriction, all that. Like people are actually pretty good at that. People are good at following a diet for short term period, getting that before and after picture. Here's August 2020 and here's December 2020. Yay. Before and after 20 pounds lost. But what about December 2021? That's what I want to know, you know, or December 2023. Um, 
So we're really good at those short-term shifts, but the long-term shifts, the long-term health improvements, it's not a quick fix. It doesn't come like that. And um, and, it, and it's a detriment to your health. And so I would be, what I recommend people do if they really want to be healthier is to always look at other biomarkers of health. So figure out what those things are. Figure out what's important to you. Of course, you listed a bunch, which is awesome. Track those. Keep tracking those. Um and keep tracking. You can look at other, you know, you can do a full, you can continue to do full thyroid panels. You can do a Dutch hormone test and also check in like, how's your mental and emotional health doing? That's a biomarker of health. That is a biomarker of health. Where are you at mentally and emotionally? Um, and, and track those things to bring about health in the best way. Pregnancy is scary and it's hard and it's hard to trust yourself because there's a lot that goes on. And sometimes people don't get pregnant and it has nothing to do with the fact that you are, you know, whatever, this weight and not that weight. It can be due to a lot of other things. So don't turn that into something like, oh, if I just control my weight, I'll get pregnant because it's not that's not um, reality. Do you have any other thoughts? You're still on mute. <laughs> okay, I literally put myself on mute. <laughs> I wasn't on mute and oh. then I put myself on mute. <laughs> we are so professional here. <laughs> After five years, folks, still no, well, I was like, I'm going to nail it this time. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to nail it. And I put myself on mute and tried to talk. Um this is what I said. That was really thorough. And your response was fantastic. And I want to vote for it. Uh, you know, downvote. I'm downvoting my response and I'm voting this. It was very thorough and fantastic. So thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah. OK. I don't want to I don't I, I always I can come off as a little um, intense or like, you know, harsh sometimes. And I hope Sorry. that it's not coming out that way. I, I just don't. It's not beneficial and when i i just want to stop people from going down that rabbit hole before they do because it can it can be awful <laughs> awful place to be i can speaking from experience it's an awful place to be yeah yeah okay that's it follow stephanie stephanie dot ruper on instagram i'm coconuts and kettlebells the uh what what ep when is this coming out? Am I done with cookies yet? By the time this episode comes out, I think I'm going to call it craving cookies. Um, my craving cookies will hopefully be out next week. I'm going to launch it on my Insta. So I, next time we record, I'll mention a, a link where you can download it. But you can also follow me on Instagram. And yeah, we love you guys so much. And make sure to join our Facebook group, the Well Fed Women Holistic facebook group just search us on insta and i will up uh, not insta on facebook <laughs> sorry i'm making you get on facebook after we just talked about the social dilemma getting off of facebook but if you can figure out a way to only log in and just like use just come in and ask a question whenever you need us and then leave how about that um but we're there and we'd love to see you there so for more from me you can go to coconutsandkettlebells.com also um, and we have a book it's called coconuts and kettlebells you can get it by going to coconutsandkettlebells.com slash book we will talk to you next week 